Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Oh, I got a live one here. Virginia. Yeah, Did yeah. Show last night at the Funny Bone, Richmond. Yeah, and I was looking at my, uh, you know, in between shows, I browse Twitter. I'm back to my Twitter addiction, uh, and you know, I saw where the president basically said on live television in regards to Kaepernick and the people that kneel to get those sons of bitches off the field, they're fired. And I'm just like, I'm really fucked up because I'm just like, are we really living in a time? Where the president of the United States says on live television, sons of bitches. Yeah, that's where we are. Because Jesus. he's not he's not he's not actually being a president. He's playing the part of Clint Eastwood in the enforcer if he was president. Right. You know, sidebar, to anybody out there that at this point still believes the country was more racially divided under Obama. You are a fucking idiot. If you can't see, and Kobe had a great tweet that I read today, if I can remember it. He just basically said, when you hear the name Trump, it doesn't bring about anything positive. It brings about dissension and hateful rhetoric, and it divides us. How is that making America great again? And it's like, truthfully, I think some of us are at the point, even as comics, even though he provides such great fodder, for us we don't want to talk about trump because it's everything negative but this man is just a fucking walking disaster and he writes himself yeah and I, and, and, to, and to and to ignore it would be doing a disservice you know to the podcast to you to us as as, as an artist as comics because this guy just he just screams you have to fuck with me yeah well yeah he set it up but i can't talk about him on stage because it's too easy all you have to do is say he's horrible and everybody will applaud. But on the podcast, we I want to talk about because we can be honest about who he is and how divisive he is, which isn't funny. To right. me, it's not funny. It's, it's, it's aggravating. Like I said to you earlier, I said I, I'm proud to be an America, American. I'm disappointed in America right now because it, that's my representative as an American representative, and he ain't doing me justice. That's not what I want to see representing me. Yeah, I, you know, it just, it, it just seems like, you know, when you look at Trump and you hear his words and you look at his face – Trump to me just seems like he belongs on the Game of Thrones. Like he <laughs> seems like he is from that era. You can always I, make it funny. You I, can. I, mean, I, I just, I, I mean, you just look at his look at his mouth. Whenever he's not smiling, which is ninety nine point nine percent of the time, just look at his mouth. His mouth screams "bow before me." It, it just his it's it, there's a certain level of just you know everything is owed to me. Bow before me. I'm fucking my daughter. You know, it just it just everything that Game of Thrones is and sensuous, you know, I am the king, the ruler of all lands. And it just this this fucking guy, man, it just it, it fucking Jesus Christ, you know, and, and I think I think deep down inside, I think Trump's fury and rage honestly comes from a lifetime of rejection. I'm talking picked last for dodgeball, if picked at all women. He knows that women don't love him for him. And it's about his money. People make fun of his hair. We know he ain't packing no major wood. That motherfucker's penis <laughs> is thimble-like. He can't screw. I know he can't screw. His, his hip action is probably horrific. You know, and I, and I just think deep down inside, Trump 
deep down when no one's watching and the lights are off and he's by himself, he doesn't. He, he knows his, his rhetoric is bullshit. He just wants to eat chocolate and listen to Candy Statton's Hearts Run Free and dance. Man, I think that he actually believes that the king can do no wrong and he thinks the presidency is, is a kingship. He thinks that he can't do anything wrong. Right. It's ridiculous. It's, uh, it's beyond ridiculous. LeBron's tweet, though, was the best tweet that the way that he just summed it up quick, fast, didn't even need the whole 140 characters, his response. Well, I'm a bum. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, and big shout out to the Warriors. And I hate the Warriors from a, just from a basketball fan perspective because my team is Cleveland. <laughs> uh, but the fact that they said, no, we will not show up, is fucking solo. You know what I mean? Because, and you know, I saw Trump's tweet where he goes, well, you're uninvited. It's like, motherfucker, you know, it's like firing somebody after they say they quit. Motherfucker, they, you ain't got to uninvite. They don't want to be there. You know, and, and, and let's be honest. Trump don't give a fuck about a bunch of Negroes not showing up to the White House. Now, if this was a hockey team, he'd probably hang himself by his own hair. But he don't give a damn about a bunch of black folks not showing up at the White House. He could care less. You know, though, I think deep down, I think he does care about all this because it's, this, it's not. You know when they say you got to respect the presidency? He yeah. doesn't respect the presidency. He, he is the person, instead of being that person that people would want to come to the White House, be proud to show up at the White House, he makes us so just a horrible situation in life for everyone. There's no one wants it. And he realizes that this is ruining his legacy because basketball players aren't showing up because that's the legacy that he wants. He wants to be the superstar. Well, that's, he I mean, wants I mean, to be like That's a White House tradition. Yeah. That, you know, and he's football, basketball, I don't know about baseball or anything baseball, else. Baseball, yeah. Yeah, but, but that, you know, championship teams show up and they give them the jersey and stuff like that. And, 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 and to sit by, I think to sit by and act as if, this clearly it bothers him. If if it if it makes him have to tweet it, yeah, clearly it bothers him. But you know this this facade that oh I don't care when we know you do, we know you do. Just he act right. Cares. Just he act right, care. motherfucker. Just act right. I, I don't know who he's playing to because I, I you know exactly who he's playing but, to. No, you. But it's not helping anybody. This I, I think Trump. Okay, Trump himself I think is probably for the people that that he represents. He's probably the worst for them because he's causing people to make decisions that they had never had to make before. Trump is actually leading the charge that he doesn't even understand what charge. He, he, he may not be – that's not what he wants to have happen, but he's building up such a team against him that the charge is happening. And people are going to – there's going to be changes in this country because of this guy, not because he did a good thing. It was in spite of him that some changes are going to happen. Yeah, I, you know, ultimately, I, you know – to see where this ends up is going to be the interesting thing because I just, I can't, as much as I want to sit here and say, I can't see him serve in a second term. He can't be. No one thought he would win and look what happened. Yeah, but he can't. And you know what? I'd be surprised the the Republicans might pull a democratic maneuver and go ahead and uh, find someone to give the candidacy for the Republican nomination to. Because that's what they did. They, they, they didn't want Bernie. They wanted Hillary. So they put Hillary. They said they had the right to do that. Maybe the Republicans will do this and put someone in who's worthwhile. Because this dude is not the dude who can represent this country going forward. You know, and, and, and speaking on back to the Kaepernick thing, uh, one of the saddest things to me about this whole thing, I, I want to read you some, uh, a tweet that someone wrote. This guy, at, at David Mark Osco, says in a tweet, just a reminder, every NFL player who takes a knee to protest the national anthem is earning at least the league minimum salary of 465k to which i responded and your point is so then this girl named Heidi Theresi goes that they're profiting huge amounts from the same country they're disrespecting to which i replied or the country whose police force murders unarmed black men and women then gets away with it due to systematic racism or you mean the country that uh, doesn't treat its own taxpaying citizens equally under the eyes of the law. Like, how, how do people not see that? I, I don't know. because like, I, I just don't get how you just are so narrow-minded. And I got to say, part stupid that you don't understand what the Kaepernick knee thing is about. You, you, you really think that just out of the blue, this black dude just went, you know what? Fuck it. I feel like disrespecting the flag for no reason at all jeopardizing my career, jeopardizing my income, and becoming a martyr to myself just because. Like, 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 like again, it, it's like fix the problem and not the symptom. Like, like, this is simple math. 
This is not complicated. If cops don't kill unarmed black men and women and get away with murder and people are treated equally as they should be under the eyes of the law, there is no Kaepernick. There is no knees. There are no kneelings. It's this doesn't happen. Like, how can you be so narrow minded? You only see this as, oh, look at these troublemakers. You know, he's just this doing disrespecting America to which the national anthem has lyrics in it still still to this day to this day that are fucked up towards black people that they don't even talk about because it's not sung in the national anthem but the lyrics are still there you know first of all i i i said this to you and i don't know how you feel about this but i don't necessarily think that he's taking any i'm showing he's showing how far black people are allowed to stand up in this country to the injustice that's been done, done to them yeah but if you're allowed to stand up only to be held down yeah that's what I'm saying, but that's what's how, really going on. But that's how far he's allowed to stand up. One knee. That's how far you're allowed to get up in this country without saying anything. And I think he's a hero because not only is he doing what that flag represents, which is protesting and using your freedom of speech to show injustice. Right. That's what that flag's for. That's right. all he's showing. And if you don't allow him to do that, if you want to call him out and you think he should be fired and he shouldn't have a job because of that or any other player who, who takes a knee – this is where you're wrong. This is where you don't understand what that flag's for. You don't understand what the people that you're saying have fought wars to represent this country and that flag. That's what they stood up for so that he can take that knee, so that he can show the injustice that's being done, so that we can make changes. The, the people who get stuck and caught up on this I, image and not understand really the problem behind the image, those are the people that are the problem. Yeah, I, I think it's insane. You know, I mean, and I know, I know the chances of this happening because uh, 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 this, one, this one brother made an interesting comment on Twitter where he basically said, look, he'll take the knee, but what, what's the point of taking the knee or, or for, you know, players in abundance to take the knee if afterwards they take the field because the owners and the league and the, and, and Trump's friends, they're still getting rich. And I, you know, and I said, look, what, what more of a powerful statement would it be? And I know the chances of it happening are pretty much nil, but what would it, what a powerful statement would it be if not just the players, but the coaching staff. And, and, and let's be honest, anytime you get white people involved in a black cause, all of a sudden that stock goes up. You know, when white people get involved, when white people get hurt, when white people get killed, champion for a black cause, the stock goes up. So to be able to see some of them white coaches and, co- and the coaching staff lock arms with those players and they all take a knee on Sunday or they say, you know what, this Sunday we're not taking the field. We're going to all stand up for Cap. We're going to all not take the field until Cap gets a job. That would speak volumes. Now, again, I know that's not realistic because, you know, some of them NFL players, man, they care about them white women. You know what I mean? They, they, they ain't going to let nothing get in the way of that, of that, of that white booty, baby. Uh, I, they need that money. That money means something to them. That money, that fame, that attention, you know, they ain't going to let you rob them of, you know, the shit they in love with. I don't think it's far-fetched to think that they could all just take a knee. I, I, I could see at least some teams doing that. Maybe not every team. I, I, again, I don't think it works unless every team does it. Well, it's not Every team in, at the same time. It's not going to happen in New England. Brady loves Trump. That's not, that's not going to happen. I, I, I don't give a damn if it's in Harlem, if there was a football team in Harlem. It's just not going to happen just because there's too much at stake. And, 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 and at the end of the day, even when you believe what you want to believe with conviction and passion, you, the real test is when there's the threat of what you love or what is able to, to allow you to pay your bills and uh, eat good and live good. If the threat of that is going to be taken from you, that's the real test. Now are you going to still put your fist in the air and stand your ground? You know, a lot are, of- you, are you going to pull a Muhammad Ali? You know, there's a lot of people that in the game and in, in the sports world and in the entertainment world that, that share or that shared Ali's values in that way or belief in that way. But if put to the test, that's a different story. Well, that's because in boxing, Ali, one man, represented himself. We're talking about a team. And, and a lot of people grow up and want to be football players, but no one wants to grow up and be Jim Brown. Well, I mean, maybe at that time, I think people wanted to grow up and be Jim Brown. Yeah, but I'm just maybe saying. Not now. Not maybe now. not now. Maybe, maybe not throw a bitch off the balcony, well, Jim Brown. Not that. But, but I'm just talking about no one wants to put, go through what he went through representing people in the way that he did. And he, he lost money. He lost. But Jim Brown, Jim, Jim Brown chose to walk away from football. Ali didn't want to walk away from no. boxing. He was, he was, you know, he was forced out. 
Yeah, but he walked away. Jim Brown walked away from it because he didn't like the structure. But still, he had the choice. Yeah, he did have the Ali choice. Ali didn't have Ali the didn't choice. Have the choice. No. You're you right. Know, there's a major difference. But it, it is a different in a team sport. You've got to get everybody on the same page. I mean, Ali represented himself. And I, I think, I think to my, my father's favorite sports icon, his hero, was Muhammad yeah. Ali. I grew up in a Muhammad Ali house. I mean, yeah. my dad, you know, he was a white dude from, uh, from Detroit, my stepfather. And, uh, you know, you always. I don't care how how who, who you think you are. If you're a white dude, you, there's racism within there's racism within everybody. My dad had these little racist things from Detroit that he brought with him. But don't ever let someone call Muhammad Ali Cassius Clay when he changed his name. Right. There was respect for that man. You didn't fuck yeah. around with that shit. That was that was Muhammad Ali. Right. That was respect, and that's who my that's how I was brought up. You know, I that's I have a different way of looking at things because right. of a man like that where I saw his weaknesses and I saw the good parts of him and I could see the, the fucked up side of everybody. And we right. all have it. Yeah. But I still think, and it might be just me, I still think what you said could happen. I think there could be teams. And I think it's important if it's only one team. If it's one team nah, or two teams, nah, I, don't think I, think I, don't, I think it'll I, snowball. No, no, I think no, it'll I, roll. I, but I don't, think it needs to, I don't think it needs to snowball. I think it needs to happen all at once. I think it needs to be one gigantic fucking earthquake all at once. You know, that, that snowball effect, you know, things, things change rather quickly in time sometimes. And if everybody is kind of doing it here and there, you know, as it goes from week to week, things can happen that'll, that, that, that could fuck up that movement. If you want to make a powerful statement, do it now, do it all at once. Make, 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 them, make them pay attention to you. You know what I'm saying? Make the owners, make the league, make the world pay attention to you. Well, then you somebody better talk to some players because it ha- it, it could happen. But I, I like I really don't think it could happen all at once. I don't think say I don't think it could happen. Period. You know, I, it just again when you when you start dangling over players' heads their lifestyle and and what makes them comfortable and what they like. That's that's a different story. Well, Kaepernick made the choice, and he's paying for it. Paying for it. I think we need to do a Kaepernick corner every week until we figure out when this dude gets a job or something. Just yeah. ten seconds of what's up with Kaepernick. Yeah, I, you know he's 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 not going to get a job unless someone forces the NFL's hand. Man, I don't and, know. and I and I think the NFL's hand should be forced. I, I mean, I think that he needs to. Uh, to force it, I would like to see it just happen because it's the right thing to have happen. I would like to see him. Ooh, ooh, good luck I, with the right thing. I would like to see him <laughs> on the Cardinals. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm Phoenix dude, Cardinals. Palmer just doesn't look like what he's supposed to look like. Yeah. And uh, uh, Bruce has that, uh, you know, that quarterback whisperer kind of thing about him. Yeah. Where he could take Colin Kaepernick and he could take him to that next level. He was on his way to that level. Right. And then that San Francisco whole fallout. And then when he made his decisions. Right. But I think if he went, that's the problem. When you see a guy like that who's not working and you see what's on the field right now and nothing against Carson Palmer. I think he's mm-hmm. a great dude. I just don't think that his arm is going to hold up this year. And that guy's just sitting right out there with no job. But you know what? And, and that, and obviously it's not always a, 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 the cause is not always a political one, but, but that's just the nature of the beast in terms of entertainment period. There's always going to be people who are less qualified to have a certain position over someone who is extremely qualified. And again, it's not always, sometimes, yeah, it is politically based. uh, And sometimes it it is just, it's just bullshit for whatever reason. Hollywood's a whole different machine that we've talked about before. Yeah. Not on podcasts, but. Have Have we not, have we not touched upon that? No, not really. Holy shit. Okay. Because that, that's a whole, that's a whole other animal. I was watching a, I was watching a show today. Uh, how come black dudes are always the drivers and the uh, and, and, and 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 the helpers, but never the lead character? Well, we've we've become uh, the lead character. I need you, you do that more. You know why? Because when you look at me, I'm just I'm not the lead character. And right. If all these black dudes are going to be taking up those jobs, I'm never going to get a part in a movie. It, but, but <laughs> <laughs> are you looking to be the driver? Or are you trying? To- I'll be the driver. I'll be any. I'll be any of the parts the black dudes normally play. Just give me a part. Yeah, uh, yeah. On the pecking order, we've 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 moved up. You know, Indians are. I think Indians are the low people on the totem pole. Yeah, now. but Indian the Indians have that that producer money that's coming from India from Bollywood. Uh, yeah, Bollywood. Yeah, and so so they're getting they're getting guaranteed parts in movies though now. Well, you know, they got their own system out there, uh, but at the end of the day, you know. Uh, Hollywood is still the big kid on the block. You know, everybody, everybody, no matter w- what country you're from, if whatever kind of entertainment you got going on over there, everybody wants Hollywood's acceptance. Everybody wants into that club. That's the premier club, you know? Yeah. 
That's that's where you that's where you shine the brightest and you make the most money. It's still America, you know. When you hear, uh, and, and I hate to go back to that, I'm not going to stay back on that. But make America great again. This is still the place that's great. I mean, everybody wants to, like you said, Hollywood, the NBA. You don't want to go play in Greece. I mean, Greece has great basketball yeah. teams, but you want to play at the NBA level. You want to play yeah. in, the, in the sunshine. Yeah, I mean, everything. I've I've always said I think America has always been the television for the rest of the world. You know, the rest of the world looks in, tunes into America uh, to see what's hot, what's hip, what's trendy. And they and they basically take our lead to a lot, to a, to a, a Not large right now. degree. Not right now. Uh, they still do. Okay. Uh, they, they, the shine might be a little bit dull. Yeah. But, the but luster it, isn't there. Nah, but it, it still is. <laughs> America's still the prettiest bitch on the block. You know, everybody wants to fuck the baddest bitch on the block. Uh. Might have gained a little weight. Might be a little chunky in the midsection. But still, America's got that that golden pussy, baby. She's like that hot girl you see at the bar working the daytime shift now, who used to be the the fucking chick that just right. put on a little age, a little weight, a little right. time. But you'll still fuck, fuck her, her because she still looks You're good. Still going to choose her over yeah. any other broad in the building. Yeah, two p two p.m. on lunchtime. That's the hottest looking girl around. <laughs> well, we started talking about the Deuce, and I I did watch it. You did? Yeah. Yeah. What you think, man? The I, I it, it portrays. That uh, gritty New York that I want to see. But what's nice is they brought the boroughs into it, too, because right. they're talking about like almost like if you're from a different borough, you don't belong in Manhattan. That's, that's yeah. Manhattan shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're, if you're Brooklyn, you're Brooklyn. If you're, right. So uh, that was kind of cool how, they, how they're kind of like tying the story together because that was at that time more so. You just didn't you, – you, if you weren't from Manhattan, you just weren't a Manhattan person. Yeah. And so I like that part of it. They're spending a lot of time developing the characters, and that's right. fine. But they, uh, this is only episode two that I watched up because that's only had, two, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm just now, but I'm in. Like I, I like the characters, and right. I want to get. To, I really like that uh, uh, Franco, um, James Franco, Franco uh, playing the two, uh, the, the two characters. Yeah, the the the, uh, the twins. Yeah, and he's making it. It, at first, I didn't like it because there was only a little bit of uh, difference between them. It was yeah. my, but but now that the characters you, you, developing, you're starting to see yeah, yeah, now I'm seeing yeah. him, and he's doing a great job keeping him really close, but yeah. really yeah. starting to develop each unique character. Yeah, uh, and uh, and uh, uh, Hall, uh Jake Gyllenhaal. No, uh, not Jake. Uh, Maggie. Maggie. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Are they related? Yeah, brother and sister. Wow. See, yeah, that's the hard part. That's what I was going to say, too. You know, you grow up and you want to be famous and or right. you want to go to Hollywood. You want to do your thing. Why is her face so droopy? That's what I was going to say. You know, she's, she, you know, she went into acting first. Right. And then her brother comes up. How would you like to work that hard to become a serious actress? And I'm not saying she's, she's not, she's unattractive, but she actually looks kind of attractive in this, in this show, in certain places, in certain parts of the show. You mean from the back? Yeah, when she has her wig on and she's long shot from far away across the street. <laughs> but her brother's this good-looking dude, and she's still like, that just sucks. Hey, listen, I would love to have uh, siblings in Hollywood, you know, to be like the Wayans, the Black Kennedys. You know what I mean? To be able to have an entire family where everyone is working. Well, and every single personality is represented, too, in the Wayans family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I mean, you know, it's like if, if from Damon Wayans Jr. to Damon Wayans to Keenan, what he does on the production side of things and directing side of things to Sean and Marlon. Like if any one of them decided, you know, hey, you know what? Fuck it. I ain't working. Or if they fell off for some reason. Yo, the whole family is rich. So you're going to be all right. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah, what a but, great situation to be in. Dude, but that's a talented family. I mean, that's a lot of talent wrapped up in one family. The better looking, though, you are in that family, the least talented you are. I'm not saying you guys can take that any way you want and put, put it together on any way you want to put that. <laughs> it was a small call out. That's all. It was very small. Okay. You're uh, not going to leave that one alone. You I'm know. not touching that shit. Oh, I'm not touching that. Oh, that's part of the reason why I have the rep that I have. <laughs> so I'm going to just arms up, uh, arms up, don't shoot. Ferguson, baby. You're, you're great. It's, you're all a great family. It's just some, some in that family are really good looking. That's all I'm saying. They're good looking dudes. <laughs> Next. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um you know I tweeted uh I tweeted the other day. Uh I I would really love 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 to see Wesley Snipes and Denzel do a movie together where they play two 
dirty, ruthless, low-down street hustlers. Like Nino Brown joins up with Alonzo from Training Day. Because Denzel has always played so many good guy, heart-wrenching, you-feel-for-him characters. Anytime you see him get down and dirty and play the opposite of what we've always known him to be, that's when he like, and, and I'm a Denzel fanatic, and I think Denzel, no matter what, no matter what he does, he's such a powerful actor, and he's so great that he, he to me, the only bad movie he's ever made that I just didn't like was Virtuosity. Other than that, everything he's done to me has been top notch. But and you could still watch Virtuosity. I don't. I can't. I can still watch it. And and I think Virtuosity came at a weird time because at that time Wesley was the face. Of black of, of action, he was the only go to guy for action, and Wesley did it well because Wesley is a martial artist and he can fight, and it's so and it's so obviously believable on screen because he, that's what he does. He knows what he's doing, so it was hard. I, I think that took me out of it because I was so stuck on Wesley. But again, going going to my original point, whenever Denzel has played like Alonzo from Training Day, Frank Lucas, American Gangster, and even though he wasn't necessarily a, a, a hood guy. Even in that movie, Flight, to see him oh, yeah, yeah. play a cocaine addict, a, 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 a drunk, it, that man's depth is unreal. And and then when I think about Wesley, of course, is Nino Brown and New Jack and his character from, uh, what was it, was it Sugar, Sugar Hill, that movie? I think it's called Sugar Hill. I think I might be fucking that up. But the one where he was with the dude that said, uh, this is the flavor that they save up here, neighbor. His brother that sounded like, you know, he ate... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> lit blunts, uh, but to, but to see Wesley and and Denzel team up to just I would love to see them just ruthless, you know, fuck a motherfucker up type characters, man. Because I, I you know they both could do and to be teammates, man, that shit would be fire. That would be pure fire. Is what's Wesley doing though? Is he working? Is he- I, you know, it's weird, man. I think ever since the, the 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 and he follows me, snipes on Twitter, and and you know, again, I don't ever expect for these cats to know me. I know I know them, but I I, I paid him a compliment one day and was like, yo, and I of course didn't expect him to respond, but I was like, yo, Wes, man, nothing but respect for you, dog. You you the truth, and he hit me back and was like, you the truth too, brother. Love your work. So. But I think because of the tax situation, it seemed like ever since the tax situation that he had to go to jail for, it, 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 something changed his career. You know, Patrice talked about it a little bit on Opie and Anthony, and he said the funniest shit. He was like, yo, Snipes makes a lot of movies that have the word or in them. The Terminator, the the, the Detonator, the, the Exterminator. And it's always a, a picture of him with some white woman and an explosion in the back. But I, I listen, man. That's the beauty of Hollywood. Again, I, th- I think I said this before. You're always one hit away doing something, whether it's a you know stand-up special, a movie, a TV show, a commercial, something online. You are always one hit away from turning everything around. And 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 it's not like Wesley is just completely falling off. I mean, you know, the, the, he had that one show that was on, on that was on TV for a little bit, and then he did the Expendables movie. Uh, I, I'm a fan, man. I hope Wesley really, because he's so talented and so great at what he does, and I love watching him. I hope he bounces back in a major way, man. Yeah, uh, I, the first time I saw um, Blade, and uh, you know they weren't making it's a comic book show story, right? And uh, I think that, and he was, I think that was like the first black superhero movie. Yeah, yeah, because I know there's what there's Luke Cage, there's Blade, there's Falcon. And now Black Panther, but I think Blade came out before for any of all those. that. Yeah, and it was that. Uh, that's like I always I liked his films before. Yeah, when that came out, I was like, Oh, Blade wanted that that opening intro to Blade, the, the first one. Oh my god! And the Blade Two was even better. But then he lost me with Blade Three, and the jump the shark moment is when he looked the baby in the face and went, "Kunigugu, Kuchiku." I said, "Yeah." They probably did it both ways. And then they uh, edited which one they liked best. Uh, no, but they, they, that's Hollywood, though, man. I mean, whatever you, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and it's funny, man. I, like, you know, we're all such a, I think people are such big fans of movies, clearly. You know, I look at movies sometimes, and, and like, I go out on auditions, and I go, you know, it's like, like, I know I'm a comic. 
I, I know comedy. You know, I know when it comes to anything funny, I feel like I can I can do that. But drama, man, it, it just like I look at certain movies and certain performances that let me go, that let me know I'm not an actor. <laughs> just when I think I'm an actor, I'm not an actor. Like when I saw like one of my my most favorite performances, and it fucks me up that there are people that will say, and I've read this on Twitter, that and, and on the comments in YouTube, they thought Brad Pitt's performance in Seven, especially at the end, the famous scene, "What's in the box," was not good, or it was it was overact. What? Let me tell you that scene. First of all, Seven is an all-time masterpiece. It, it, all-time fucking masterpiece. That movie, in terms of how dark that was, you didn't see what was coming, coming. Uh, the twist, the turns, the performance by Kevin Spacey at the end in the car when he gives that whole speech and Brad Pitt says, sit back and shut your mouth, you fucking freak. You know, Messiah, you're a fucking movie of the week, a t-shirt at best. That whole fucking scene and then the very end when it registers to Brad my wife's head is in this box. He killed my pregnant wife. He decapitated her. And he's struggling between, do I kill this motherfucker or do I, you know, uh, stay by the book and uphold the law? And you see him struggling with that look on his face. And then they do the quick flashes of Gwyneth Paltrow's face. And he's bending down and he's sobbing and he shoots the guy. I said, dude, I'm not an actor, man. I can't do that. I, I, I can't do that. That that man, dude. You could. I'm gonna tell you just the way you described it makes me know that you're an actor. Nah, no man. Nah, yeah, no. You sold the whole thing to me. I got upset listening to you, dude. The, 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 nah, bro. I'm, I'm just, I just, you know. Uh, it just, it's just. Uh, like I think I can do things in certain things, uh, but but like, where do you get that? Like, where does that kind of emotion come from? Where you just, you just dig down that deep and you pull that out and i've met brad three times man uh he ain't just a pretty face man that motherfucker has got chops and on top of that humble one of the nicest dudes i've ever met truly one of the nicest dudes i've ever met so fucking cool man i get it ain't it listen ain't no gayness about me at all but i understand there's a lot. Um, Theo Vaughn. I don't know if you know Theo. No. He's a, he's a comic, uh, fucking great comic out uh-huh. of LA, and uh, he has the best joke about meeting Brad Pitt for the first time. But mm-hmm. he does say he's humble. But uh, the thing is, I think everybody gets starstruck when they see Brad. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I've seen people get starstruck seeing Rondell Sheridan. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's something about when you see somebody on TV or in a movie. And especially, well, you know, on TV, they come into your living room. They come into your bedroom at night. You know, you, you just, it feels like there's this personal connection because they're allowed into your world. Dude, walking around with you, I feel that I see it all the time happen. But see, I don't feel it, and I don't see it. And I guess that's because I'm in my own skin. But I don't, I don't look at me like that. But I can understand that when you see something that you've seen on television live up close, it throws you. Because you're like, holy shit, that's... Like, when I go to the zoo, and I'm looking at a fucking lion, I'm going, nigga, that's a fucking lion. Like, the only time I see this shit is on National Geographic. Like, this is a fucking lion. So, when you, yeah, when you see something in the flesh, it throws you. But I think, and I, th- and I know that there are some people who may not necessarily be a fan of your work, or really could care less, but because the moment is, is there, there yeah. they take advantage of it. You know, but I'll tell you, I also know from experience there are certain people that when you see them, because they have that kind of an impact on you, because you really like they work, you really respect what they do, you can feel when it's legitimate versus you just in the moment. Because I, I'm telling you, man, when I, when I first met Brad, it wasn't necessarily, oh, my God, I'm, I'm starstruck. It was, I thought of all of that. I went, that's that motherfucker from that Seven movie, yeah. that gave that performance. That's the motherfucker from 12 Monkeys. That's the motherfucker from Fight Club. So I wanted him to know, legit, man, this ain't about, oh, I'm starstruck. Yo, you got chops, dude. You, 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 you are official. So for me, that's what it is. You know, and, and, and that's why when people come up to me and respond the way they do, I could feel when it's bullshit versus, <laughs> all right, I guess I'll move this motherfucker a little bit. Yeah, but that's also because he moves you in that way where where you uh, 
you look at yourself and like you said, you're not an actor. He, the levels of things he, he puts yeah. you, he puts you where you, you aspire to like re- reach some right. kind of other acting ability. Cause you saw what acting could be. Right. And that's, you know, to all the people that listen to this podcast, I want to take this moment to address this situation. Uh, I get told a lot of times that I'm interviewing you on mm. this, on this podcast. Right. And, and in a way I kind of am because I know what the levels are too. And people tune into this podcast. You're the you're you're the guy that they want. It. They don't know me. I'm like, so I, I just wanted you to know. If sometimes I take a seat back. It's not because I don't want to say something. Don't have something. I think what you have to say is more relevant or more important at that at that particular place in the conversation. Right. Well, you you better you better figure out some ways to get in because I like I said, and this is again me tipping my hat to Bill Burr. To fill an hour is tough. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of fucking work. Uh, I leaned on you. I've been leaning on you. Sometimes I'm like, yo, what the fuck? I look at the clock and go, holy shit, we only 15 minutes minutes in. in. It's like I'm doing my best fucking, and this bitch ain't close to orgasm. (laughs) I'm like, damn, my damn, I'm about to come, bitch. (laughs) Um, No, I'll get, you'll get, you'll get, I'll get used to, to, uh, not holding you in that higher esteem and actually jumping in when I need to, but you you make some good points, and sometimes I step back a little too much. Listen, man, I'm just saying that. Uh, back to Denzel. Um, again, a moment where I just go, I'm not an actor. John Q, the movie John Q. There's a moment where him and his wife are sitting in, I think, the doctor's office, and I think it's Anne Hayes basically is giving them giving them the scoop on their son's status. And Denzel's wife is losing it. And Denzel is between losing it, but knowing he can't because he has to be strong for his wife. So yes, he's losing it, but not like her, but he's losing it. But he's also trying to keep it together for the sake of his wife. And he does this thing where... It, it, I wish it's hard. It, it doesn't do it justice because you can't see my face, but I'll try to describe it best I can and paint the picture. He does this thing where he goes, you see him lose it. He struggles facially. His body moves a certain way. Then it's it's when it clicks. Okay, I got to be strong for my wife. Okay, he takes this deep breath. He wipes the tears from his face. Ooh, okay, all right, all right, all right. All right, what are we talking about, huh? And I'm I'm going, how the fuck do you do that? How the fuck do you do that? Man, like like the choices as an actor, like like if if I could interview Denzel, like I think as comics, we look at movies, comedy movies, and we look at comedians, and we can tell that wasn't in the script. That yeah, motherfucker yeah. improvised that. You can't write that. Like like Eddie Murphy, the whole Beverly Hills Cop. Yes, I'm here to see Victor Maglin. Yes, Capricorn, olive skin gentleman. Tell him that I have Herblick Simplitz 10. Eddie riffs that. No writer sits in a room and writes that for Eddie. Eddie riffs that. And that's a that's a that's a uh a, a tribute to Eddie's greatness. And and I'm and as comics, again, I look at certain scenes in movies. And I could be wrong, but I go, nah, that wasn't written. Them motherfuckers is going off the cuff. 40-year-old virgin, that scene with Kevin Hart and uh, I forget my man's name, Romani, Romano, the black dude, where they both going at each other in the store. And the thing about what he says to Kevin, we fuck dwarfs in the ass. We roll in 60s. And Kevin's like, that's your man? Well, he in trouble, too. That was rift. Them two niggas rift that, and it was it was one of the greatest, funniest scenes ever. So again, as from a comic perspective, I can look at that and go, I understand. There's certain things as comics, your instincts. You know, it's like it's like breathing. You're not even thinking. You you just you, based on the situation, you're able to go. What needs to happen for this to jump off the page? And my question would be to guys like Pacino, De Niro. Denzel, Meryl Streep, Angela Bassett. I look at certain scenes and I would like to know what made you make that choice. That little thing you did with your hand, that certain look, that that wink of your eye. What 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 made you do that? Like how how do you make those? Because when I go in an audition for for dramatic shit, I, I try to find moments to jump off the page, but I'm so worried about 
my acting that I go stick to what's on the page. Trust the material. But I think the real magic is when you can trust the material and do what's on the page, but also add something to it that makes you go, oh, shit. But what, what's the director's point of view? Do the directors do a, Does a director want you to add your flavor of to course. it? Of I, course. I, I think any good director wants you to kind of see what – no, I don't think any director just goes, I'm the ruler. You do what I say. You know, some directors, I'm sure, are like that. But, but the really good ones, especially when you're working with top-notch talent. They get out of your way. No, they don't necessarily get out of your way, but they're there to help you. But they also want you to, to bring to it, too. Because I think, again, it's a collection of the minds. And when you got great talent with great direction, with great writing, it's magic, man. What's your favorite movie? Oh, man, a favorite movie. I don't really have a favorite. There's so many. You know what because I mean? Because genres you don't have a favorite or just because of movies uh, you can't pick one? It's, it's hard to pick one, man. Like, how do you pick anything over Goodfellas? But at the same time, you there's some shit that rivals Goodfellas. Is there a movie out there that people don't know that you think is that movie that people missed that is a great movie? Oh, shit. That's a good question. Because I have a movie that I... Yeah, what is it? It's Buckaroo Banzai. What is it? Buckaroo Bonsai was made Buckaroo in the eighties. It was made in the eighties. Peter like a Weller, Chinese porn. Nigga. It, it, oh, close. Uh, <laughs> it's Peter Weller, and uh-huh. uh, it's it was it's a comic book. It was yeah. a comic. It was one of the first comic book movies that they yeah. did. And uh, if you get a chance, whoever's listening to this, check it out because uh, it's not a normal movie though. It's uh, it's a sci fi. It's about uh, uh, about a, a brain surgeon who's also a rock star and an adventurer and a scientist. And who's in it? Is it a big, big star? Dude, everybody, Peter Weller. But. Peter Weller, Jeff Goldblum's in it. Uh, Is that right? Uh, there's, there's so many. Um, I'm gonna, I forget. I, I'm so bad with names. Um, who, who is the the head? Third Rock from the Sun or whatever. Who is that? John Lithgow. John Lithgow's in it. Yeah. He plays a great part in it. Such an obscure, all obscure characters. If yeah. you're talking about riffing, I have to believe these guys riffed a lot of this movie because right. just the parts are so obscure and so weird, and it's just right. a weird, weird movie. But that's my favorite unknown movie that people don't know about. What, what do you think about? And I know he catches a lot of flack. Keanu Reeves, dude, acting wise, I you know it because it's that same part. Like he has that same tone. He has the same tone in his voice but in this new this new series that he's been doing what is it a series well the second second movie the movie uh john as it john wick dude yeah but you know what he's it's all gunplay but but it's good but he's he his character sets up for it it's yeah but it's all listen you 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 don't go see john wick for keanu reeves acting you see john wick for the gunplay but let me tell you what i here's here's what got me (laughs) <laughs> like you know I, I saw the preview probably half a dozen times and you know I, f- I saw the first John Wick which was fire so I knew I was already going to go see the second one and you know the preview most of 98% of the preview was just gunplay and you know it, you didn't need anything else I was already sold from yeah. from one yeah uh, and then one day they showed a preview and you know Keanu said a line and he went you wanted me back so I'm guessing I'm back I said, yeah, it's about the gunplay. <laughs> yeah. It ain't but, about the acting. But he's the, right, he's the right face for that movie. He doesn't have to be that actor. But I, li- I like him in that play. I like him. Right. He doesn't get in the way of the gunplay. Let's put it that way. But he's not supposed to. That's what I'm saying. That's perfect right. for him. It's a perfect movie for him. I thought he was cool because uh, I saw him on the subway. When people, people catch him on the subway in New York. Yeah. And they'll just film him. Yeah. And he's just sitting by himself. And he's yeah. not messing with anybody he doesn't bring anybody with him right i thought that was pretty cool as a person yeah his acting i don't know about his acting. listen but i was gonna say and i i you know on the plane ride over i had uh re-downloaded off my uh itunes um devil's advocate yeah um yo kiana was was right in that 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 moment uh where charlize theron stabs herself in the neck and he cries I'm sold like a motherfucker. He was actually damn good in that. You didn't like that? Man, it was it was okay. I mean, I it's still it it it's something to do with his voice and his cadence and the way it always sounds similar. And I know that every actor should Keanu sound similar. Reeves. Yeah, yeah, it's that, that, that sound. That's the, <laughs> right. that's that's what the, that's what it is. But um, I mean. Uh, Al Pacino has that thing going now where he's just well the gravelly yeah yeah and he's always yelling it's always he's, when he makes his choice he chooses to yell learn the subways Kevin <laughs> it's always it's always that yelling so I don't know I don't know if an actor gets comfortable with something and they you remember what you it. said to me Kev you know John my wife gets bitter 
Then I'll hate her for it. Those were your words to me, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> so call me dad. What are you, my father? I'm a little more than that, Kev. Ha! <laughs> yeah. It's almost like Pacino's become a caricature of himself. Of himself. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, he, I saw him do an interview where he said, uh, cause you know, remember back in the early Godfather days and the Serpico days, he had that light voice. Yeah. But I guess he smokes a lot of cigars. So he said, because of all the cigars and some of the drinking he's done, it's kind of taken a toll on his voice. But man, I mean, to, wouldn't you to have that guy's fucking career, dude? I just saw it was on TV the other day. I saw uh, Carlito's way. Oh, and that was just before he oh. ran into that whole like yelling all the time, and he played that oh. part. Oh, oh, Dave, you're a tough guy now. What are the rules, Dave? <laughs> you're a lawyer, Dave. You're not a tough guy, dude. That movie was so great, but there's, yeah. there's I, and, and a big shout out to my man. Uh, my boy, he, I did you know that movie that 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 wonderful wonderful blockbuster movie with him, The Pest. Big shout out to my man John Leguizamo who played Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Who and you know I was just going to bring a, him up right as now as a comic. John Leguizamo can act, dude. dude. He's but as a comic, those one man shows that he's doing, yeah, dynamite, just out of this fucking world. Yeah, he, 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 I, you know John. John also follows me on Twitter. Much shout out, much love to John. I wish you'd follow me uh, because I think he's fucking. Yeah, no, John. John's a legit dude, and he's a legit New York cat. And those one man shows are hard to pull off, and and John does them like nobody's business. But yeah, John, as far as an actor goes, like even even uh, what was that movie he did? Spike Lee directed. A, it was it was about the. Uh, that shit that went on in New York in the seventies. The guy that was shooting people. Oh, oh, what was it called? The fucking the Sam I, something. Yeah, the son, son of Sam. Sam. But it wasn't called that. It was. It, it had different. It, but it was about the son of Sam. The son of it was Sam. About that time period. Right, that time period. And, and John and that. You know, John could act, man. Dude, he's so good. There's the my favorite scene in Carlito's ways actually yeah. was Leguizamo, and it's when uh, they're at the they're at the you know Benny from the block. Yeah, at the, the table. Yeah, no, this 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 oh. no, this is my favorite is when they're at the train. And it's just before, and and, and uh, Benny from the block puts a couple in in uh, yeah, in, in, uh, Pacino in Pacino, but then uh, the dude who who betrayed Pacino mm-hmm. brought him over to the train and let Benny know where he was at. Oh, uh, what's fucking, his name? Because he's in everything. That dude's in everything. Oh, Boogie god. Nights. Uh, that dude's. Oh uh, my god! What the fuck is his name? But anyway, anyway, he betray, right. he betrays him, and so he brings him over here. He goes, "Okay, man." He goes, "Let's go." And then uh, that's when Leguizamo goes, "No, why don't you wait here?" And then he puts yeah, one, that, yeah. that scene because it just it, yeah, man. It's the hardness of what you got to be to be in that right. position, and for him to to cap him because he betrayed his best friend. And right. That, that was that scene made the whole the whole movie come together right. for him. Um, favorite Pacino movie. God, man, I don't know because uh, and to anybody listening, don't fucking say Scarface. We we know we get it, niggas and Latinos. Scarface is our Bible. <laughs> don't say it. It's too easy. Uh, I like Serpico, man. I really thought like yeah. his character like came. Uh, you saw the whole right. pain of someone who wanted to just become a cop for some weird reason, right? And then hold, hold, keep going. We'll, we'll edit it, but then you just keep going because that just brought me to something. Uh, but to to want to do that part. Uh, to be to play your part in that, and then have people uh, that you looked up to, then not be the people that you wanted to, and stick it out. And he's playing a real life character, and I actually believed him in the movie. I thought that was fantastic. I thought he did a great job in that. It's funny because here's the thing: it's like when you start to like we do, you start to worry about the time, filling the time, and then once you get into something juicy and you start rolling, that's when you look up and you go, "Fuck, we're running out of time." Uh, there's a movie, dude. That Pacino did called Cruising. Yes, I remember uh, that movie. That was a big deal when that came out. Yeah, now let me. Okay, let me take a deep breath. <laughs> oh god, um, I want to choose my words carefully because I know the time we're living in. This is delicate. Uh, you didn't make the movie. No, 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 no. Listen, if you're gay, you're gay. Be proud. You are who you are, and everybody should be who they are. Be proud of it. And this is no slander at all towards the gay community. Please believe that. But I didn't really know what the movie was about. And I checked it out because I'm a Pacino fan. And I was like, what movie is this? Uh, and if I ever had any gay thought in my mind, like, could I be gay? Is there a part of me that's gay that I just don't know? This movie 
solidifies the fact that I like pussy. <laughs> there is a scene in this movie, and for those that don't know, this is a movie where Pacino plays an undercover cop investigating serial murders of gay men in New York. Uh, so he's, you know, hanging out in the gay districts at night, going to gay clubs, gay parties, you know, anywhere where gay guys do their thing. As he's trying to catch a guy who's killing gay men. So he's just, he, he plays the, a gay dude, basically. Yeah, he, 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 yeah. He's undercover gay. Right. And there's a scene in the movie where he goes to one gay hangout and a dude is on his back strapped in some device. And another dude is fisting him in the asshole. And he probably gets about mm, midway wrist deep. And you just you just hear this dude go, Oh there's a there's a gurgle that comes from this motherfucker. <laughs> and I kid you not, I I don't get squeamish about a lot, but every time you'd see this dude make this jerk motion. And hear this, dude, I would move and shift in my seat. And at one point, I, I just, I said, I, I can't, I can't. And again, to each his own, baby. Do what you do. I love smelling women snatch with aggression. <laughs> I inhale to my ribcage show. But, oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah, that movie came out. Hoo-ah. <laughs> uh that movie came out, uh, and it got uh, it got no one wanted. There, there was protest in it. I'm from Tucson, Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, where dreams go to get minimized, and uh, <laughs> where uh, it, there was protest all over about that movie because no one liked the movie. Straight people didn't right. like the movie, and gay people didn't right. like the movie. So it was just, uh, uh, yeah. And 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 uh, one of my favorite Pacino movies. It has to be Son of a Woman, man. Uh, really? Yeah, that's that whole like because, no, 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 no. But, but the, the playing the blind thing. Yeah, was so, you know what I mean? And there was and de, de, my favorite scene in that is the dinner scene where he's sitting with his family that don't want him there, and he gets into the argument with, I guess his brother-in-law, or yeah, something. I think yeah. Where he says to the guy, uh, "You hear that tone of the voice? She sounds like she hasn't had basically like some good dick or something like that. There's fire under that dress." And just just that that performance, man. When he says, "Friend's name is Charles," doesn't like to be called Chucky. And then when the guy is breaking down how Pacino got blind, and the music kind of creeps in, and you could tell the story is affecting Pacino because he then later snatches the dude up, slams him against the wall, and puts the chokehold to his throat. But you could see where he is—he's trying to act like it doesn't bother him, but it's fucking with him. And he says that signature thing like three times in the scene. But each time he says it, the way he says it, it's more and more he's revealing, I'm in pain. Like, hoo-ah. Then the guy shits on him again. Hoo-ah. Shits on him again. And then the third final time he shits on him, which is the most painful, he just goes, hoo-ah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. and And again, I would go, what made you do that? It's choices. What, what man. made you go? This is hurting me by going who are, but changing the volume of it and the tone of it each time. He would, he would, he would get an emotion out of the audience like that. Like he, he would, he would evoke an emotion out of us to make you go, damn! I feel for this horrible human being. It's just it's but, spectacular, man. But, but I guess that some of that, when you talk about those choices, some of that is because actors want to be. And this was a quote. And I don't know what comic said this, but actors want to be anybody else but themselves, and that's how they get into this. They get into that character, and they can they can live through someone else these feelings and these emotions that they don't right. normally live through. As right. comics, we live through our emotions, and are we only want to be ourselves on a daily basis in front of people. So it, Shit, I, I want to be Kevin Hart, nigga. <laughs> I want to know what it's like, it's like to throw $110,000 down on some stuffed animals for, for a fucking night. I don't think they were stuffed animals. They had us have some real they animals at that price. some real giraffes and shit in that. God damn. Big shout out to Kev, you rich bastard. 
Oh, back to your point. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> was that the right hoo ha? Was that yeah, the that, one he that was the painful one? Hoo <laughs> 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 uh, I don't even know where we were, but I just you talk about actors and 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 oh yeah, yeah yeah but yeah but who we are is different, and I think we bring different things to uh, to a part that we're good, we're good because we are who we are. We can't change who we are. Favorite De Niro movie? Oh man. Uh, Man, who, what's your favorite? I have to think about it for a second. Bronx Tale. God, that's a good movie. That scene. Your father's the tough guy. Let him get up and go to work every day in the morning. Dad, listen to me. Slaps his son. Yeah, because he, he was he wasn't even the main part. Crying. Yeah, man. And he fucking Bronx killed Tale. that movie. He killed. Yeah, he that killed movie. that fucking movie. Who's that? Who's that? Chaz Chaz Palminteri. Chaz Palminteri. Dude, that was such yeah. a fucking good. Movie. Now you just can't leave. Oh Jesus. You, I like when he's telling how you know how if she if she's if the she, door test the door test it's yeah the greatest it was crazy I auditioned for that movie uh, I auditioned for the part of the girl's brother uh, the one that they beat up and it was so crazy because at my audition De Niro was there and he just had a bunch of black guys we all lined up and he said let me see your hair and I had an afro at the time and he said don't cut your hair to me and I just went holy fuck I'm gonna get this and I didn't but. Uh, that was my moment, and I had a moment with De Niro. Okay, here's what I want to say, say this, just and this is sidebar, as you said before. That's the reason why I back off when we're having a podcast, because I don't have any fucking De Niro stories, okay? <laughs> so if you fuckers out there hear me back off, it's because I'm thinking some genius shit's going to come out of this dude like right now, and that's why it happens. No, my man. Fa- my favorite De Niro movie, damn, uh, man, I, I think De Niro's great. I, I, man, I, I don't know that I have a favorite De Niro movie. You gotta have a favorite. Dude, Raging Bull was really important. Say Raging Bull. But if if I look back, if I tomorrow when I'm looking at other De Niro movies, I'm gonna go, no, that was my. De Niro's that actor where you think that's your favorite movie, and then you see him in another movie, and you go, no, but that's 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 how I feel about Denzel, though. Yeah, well, that is. I'm saying Denzel is that good, cold motherfucker, boy. You know, like like even and when I say like I would even like to see Denzel get dirtier like i would have loved to have seen him play lawrence fishburne's part in uh why do fools fall in love let me tell you something that scene where angela bassett the first time he beats her up and she goes i'm just trying to help ike you try to help ike and he slaps her she falls behind the couch and you don't see him punch her but you see it yeah and he's punching her like that and that other scene where he rapes her in the music booth I would love to see Denzel, just to see what Denzel would do to a role like that. Lawrence scared the shit out of me for a long time after that role. That part scared. He played the fuck out of that. He was so scary that he changed his name from Larry to Lawrence. (laughs) That's how scary he was. He could do it. He goes, after this movie, I'm now Lawrence. Right, right. right. (laughs) Uh, You know, on more of our, our, like, kind of our, what we do. Do you have a favorite Robin Williams movie? I'm gonna be honest with you, man. You didn't like you didn't. No, no, no. And, and I, I, you know, I respect Robin for the comedic, frenetic, cocaine-paced genius that he was on stage. But Robert never did it for. I mean, I mean, Robin never did it for me like that. Ah, uh, see, I think he was great, both, at- both comedically and as an actor. And I don't want nobody to think I'm I'm disrespecting Robin Williams because again, I don't have to necessarily be a fan to recognize the genius. You know, I, I always say I understand Chris Rock is a comedic genius, but I'm not a fan of him. I, stand up wise. I don't watch Chris and he makes me laugh where my fucking stomach hurt. I'm wiping my tear ducts like Chappelle, but I, that's not to say I'm not saying he ain't funny. He's a fucking genius. And I got to say this like this, like this, because people will take this and run with it. Oh, you hate it. You jealous. It ain't got nothing to do with that. You don't have to like everything. People don't understand that. I, I, Chris is a fucking genius. I, look, I listen to him, his material, and I go, that's brilliant. Well written. Smart. But for whatever reason, he don't tickle my feet like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I understand that people are so used to that we have to say everything in a way that everything is sunshiny. But right. you can't just say, no, that doesn't do it for me. I think Martin Lawrence, and I said this before in my Vlad TV interview, I think Martin Lawrence is a funny motherfucker in movies. 
I love his in movies. He got some of the best reactions like bad boys, especially the first one. Some of his reactions to Will and the certain situations, the faces he would make. Martin is a funny motherfucker in movies to me in movies. His stand up don't do it for me like that. No, I get that. Martin and that don't make him any less of a genius. No, and in and, and, and House Party, he stole that show. Yes, he stole out. House Party. Just doing the faces and the little simple stuff yeah, that he was doing, and he yeah. wasn't the main character. Oh, But you're right. I, I'm not I, – I don't watch his – Yeah, so Robin Williams for me, I, I get the genius. You didn't, see, you didn't see it in the acting, though. You didn't think he was a good actor. I'm not saying I don't think he was a good actor. He just didn't move Move me. you. Pacino, De Niro, Nicholson, Washington – they move me, man. Like when I to the point where you remember lines, you mimic them, you gotta watch the scene a thousand times. They move me. If someone gets you, like you're talking about, can you do the, can you do an impersonation of them, or does it have to be a certain thing, or does that does that power that they have make you want to be able to do that impersonation? That it inspires me to to want to be able to do it. But I'm I'm also not so egotistical that I think I can do it if I can't. And I've always said that. If I can't do it, I can't do it. That's why, again, I tip my hat to uh, Jay Farrow. His Will Smith, his Chris Rock, his Chris Tucker. God, I'm jealous of that motherfucker. I wish I could do that. But I can't. You know what I mean? But the ones that I do know how to do, I do. Yeah. You know? No, because I was having fun with you right now on this podcast because you did some. Yeah. You don't always. I, I wish to God Bobby Slayton was fucking huge in comedy. Because that was my first, one of my first, when I was a kid, Bobby Slayton and Louis Armstrong were two of my very first impressions. You know the people in comedy, I tell people all the time, you know, it was upsetting to me. You know, I've been married to my wife a long, long time. You know, people, people don't know, if I were a black comic, I would be huge. I'd be fucking huge. You know, I'm like a people in comedy, everybody knows that. You know, so Bobby Slayton is, is somebody who, and you know, Louis Armstrong, potato, banano, you say tomato. You know, uh, but you know, unless something happens, those will never get. Bobby's, you know. Bobby Slade, though, is so important to me because he's, he's what made me realize that I was in comedy. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily doing co- to- comedy, but I was in it because uh, every person that you meet in comedy has a Bobby Slayton story. Mm hmm. And so it's, and I was, I was, you know, host and I was talking to the feature and he told me his Bobby Slayton story and it was similar to my Bobby Slayton. And I'm like, I'm in it. Like right. this guy that I respect his jokes and he's doing, yeah. he has a story similar to mine. I must be in this. And it was so dumb. But Bobby Slayton is one of those characters in comedy in my life that is, uh, is, I don't know why it's important to me, but yeah. I send I, I send Slayton uh, Facebook messages if he's ever in the town that I'm in. I yeah. go, dude, if you if you have time, I'll take you to dinner, whatever it is. Right. Like I've always I'm always on Bobby. Like Bobby Slayton's that that dude for yeah, me yeah. for whatever reason. I've mad respect for him. Yeah. Um, where, where, where are we at? Do we want to do we want to wrap this up and save some for? Uh, yeah, let's week? wrap this shit up. This shit is hard, man. We we fucking went four minutes over. Fuck, I'm worn out. Yeah, you're probably tired. All right, guys. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, again, I know we're 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 just on our feet. We're trying to find our footing. But to the people that hit me up on Twitter, thank you for your support. Thank you for for, for supporting. Uh, tell a friend who could tell a friend who could tell a friend. Please, please, please tweet about it. Uh, we're trying to make some noise here. I got babies to feed. Uh, and as all and as always, um, to anybody listening, I'm listen. I am not an asshole. I'm a truly legit, honest. What you see is what you get, motherfucker. If you respectfully talk to me on Twitter, I will follow you and I will talk back to you. We can converse like two old drunks sitting on a bar stool. But I swear, for God, if you disrespect me and you talk crazy to me, you're an idiot. Because why would you take an opportunity to befriend someone who is semi-famous for whatever the fuck that means and squander a potential friendship when you have an opportunity to probably gain something further down the line? If there's something I can do to help you, if there's something in terms of influence I can do to change your life and your world, don't squander that opportunity by saying dumb shit. All you're going to do by doing that is get an invitation to the block party. And I always look at Twitter and blocking people like flushing shit down the toilet.
You know what I mean? Once I hit that block button, you are flushed. So please, don't make me boo-boo you out of my life. Okay? Be respectful. There we go. That's good. Some of those people think that people are taking their side. They have no idea. Like, why would you do that? Because... Like, 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 like that'd be like me going, oh, shit. And, and listen, I've done this many times. Holy shit. Wesley Snipes follows me. Don Cheadle follows me. Sam Jackson follows me. Let me take this opportunity to say some dumb shit to have them block me. Why the fuck would I do that? You know what I mean? Not saying that I expect them to put me in a movie or to, you know, be best friends with me. Because I don't expect that. Nor am I asking for that. But you never fucking know. Hey, I got this. Why don't we just tell people just to be a human? Just be reasonable. No, because, listen, human tendency is to be assholes sometimes. (laughs) Just be reasonable. Just be careful when you pick your asshole moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all I'm saying. God bless. See you next week.